Welcome back, Link Up Podcast. We're here with uh, Damian Ryder and uh, Raul. Damian, you want to introduce yourself to everybody? Hey, how you going? I'm uh, Damian Ryder. I'm from Australia. I'm over here in Memphis training for a little event at the moment. What's the event you're training for? Uh, I've got this 24-hour event that I'm training for for uh, the 5th of April. It's, just, uh, it's a yoga-based event, which I'll do uh, 12 different poses constantly for 24 hours nonstop. Wow. I bet I could eat for 24 hours straight. Does yeah. that count? I'd like eating to eating for 24 hours straight. <laughs> I love it, especially after these events. <laughs> yeah, man. Um, so, yeah, man. Uh, tell us about yourself, man. Like, how'd you get into these extreme exercises? Not extreme exercises, but workouts that you do. Uh, like, I've always trained most of my life. And, uh, you know, growing up, I, I skateboarded and I surfed and uh, pretty much played every single sport that I, that I could. And really, it was just a, a vessel for me to get out of the house and out of the domestic violence and the child abuse that was going on in the home life and uh, just trying to find myself and, you know, always got drawn to, even though I played some team sports like baseball and cricket and um, a little bit of football and that, it's uh, most of the time I was drawn to individual sports where you just push yourselves and, you know, it uh, it'd just be me out there on the skateboard, on the ramps or on you know, in the ocean or whatever it is, just pushing myself as, as hard and as I could in whatever discipline it was that I was doing at the time. And then, you know, I sort of uh, carry these things with me, these little demons, I guess, for the next 36 years of my life of just going up and down in spirals from uh, PTSD, from what was happening as a kid and, you know, trying to find a ways to, um, to deal with it. You know, money, relationships, travel, different sports, all those sorts of things, um, you know, sometimes it got, the, it got the best of me and went into uh, substance abuse a lot, um, tried to commit suicide four times and then on the last attempt, I just uh, decided to make a full stance on my life and just really rip myself back down to my raw foundations and um, rebuild myself the way that I knew I should be and sports had always played a massive role in my life. So, you know, I went back to uh, to being an athlete and building myself to the strongest possible version that I could, like physically, mentally, emotionally as well. And, um, yeah, I just started training again, got back in the ocean, started paddling, started surfing and picked up this sport, paddle boarding, and then, uh, you know, <laughs> and, and then away I went, you know, trained eight, eight months full-time for it and uh, pretty much put everyone and everything aside for it and just dedicated my life to it. If I needed to get anywhere, I'd run. I completely sold my cars. I would force to walk or run and to wherever I went. And, you know, I'd go shopping at, uh, like Whole Foods with, you know, a training mask on and a 60-pound weight vest walking around the stores, you know what I mean? Oh. Freaking people out, but I was just dedicated to uh, to do it. I didn't really care what I looked like and – and what other people thought of me, I knew what I was doing and I knew my intentions of uh, what I was setting, setting out to do. And then, uh, yeah, I come up with this world record event that everyone thought was impossible. And January 3rd, 2015, I walked down to my local beach, paddleboard under the arm, dropped it in the water and set off on a 500-mile solo and unsupported 17-day paddleboard adventure. I mean, that's just insane that you just did that and nobody thought you could do it or anything. I did uh, read about that. And I didn't think that's blown away that you just decided that's, that's what you wanted to do. And you and you trained your ass off 100% and you just did it. And so tell us about the journey of those eight, uh, 500 miles. Like you started uh, in Gold Coast, right? Yeah, I started on Gold Coast and my destination was Bondi in Sydney. I guess I got about... I don't know, a mile into it and thought, what the bloody hell am I doing? Because <laughs> <laughs> you know? I'd, like, I'd trained hard and, uh, you know, where I was paddling, you know, I would paddle, you know, 40 kilometres uh, consecutively and my, my first leg to Byron Bay was 68 kilometres. So it was nearly one and a half the distance that I'd sort of paddled. So I didn't even know if I was going to make that first distance and it oh, was wow. sort of longer than uh, most people had ever paddled really before. Like there's a... There's a well-known paddleboard event in Hawaii called uh, Molokai to Oahu. And, uh, you know, it's, it's every year. It's July every year. And, you know, that's um, that's a shorter distance than my, my first leg, you know. And people train all year just for that one one leg. And here I was about to do 17 of them in a row. 
So they, these people who I knew who had done these events, they're just like, it's impossible. Like we can't even give you any advice because we don't know anyone who's ever done it before. And that was kind of appealing to me because, you know, if something's been done before, then you know it's possible. But if no one's ever done it, then you yourself don't know if it's possible. And, and I couldn't even gauge off anyone else of, of how to do things, how to eat along the way, what to do with supplies, how to carry the supplies on my board for that amount of time yeah. and all that. So it's um, so there was a lot of things that went on in my mind, like paddling along and, you know, I kind of faced everything and uh, from, you know, heat stroke and cold nights and cold days and big waves, 21 shark encounters, knocked off my board. I was uh, knocked off and uh, dragged underwater, you know, for about a quarter mile and, uh, unconscious underwater four times saw a 22 foot white pointer just cruising by me as you know there was a lot that was going on out there like people say weren't you bored you know there's only blue in front of you and blue above you and i'm like no there's so much going on you know like with sharks <laughs> what are you gonna, gonna eat do? me what i'm gonna you know but it's also when do i eat and what what do i drink and how do i have this and how do i yeah. keep my stuff on my board and you know do i go across in in front of the bays or is there too many sharks and i have to like hug in sort of thing so I'd sort of stick between about quarter mile and I guess a mile and a half offshore, you know, and, uh, and some days I'd be paddling along and, you know, I'd see no one on the beach for a good eight hours and you'd be looking up at, I'd be looking up to like commercial airlines going by yeah. and I hope someone's looking out the window at me <laughs> right now, you know, like someone, anyone, because there was no reception, I had no EPIRBs or anything like that, I'd just tell people on facebook hey i'm leaving this destination and oh yeah i made it you know <laughs> like yeah that was wow. kind of it so before you went out on your journey i saw on your in your documentary um the heart of the sea um that you when you first paddleboarded it was for two kilometers and you felt something in you that you've never felt before mm -hmm. can you elaborate on that a little bit for us like, yeah you know something just came over you you're like oh man wow what is that feeling and yeah for sure so as I said, like I, I'd surfed most of my life, and um, but I'd never felt that vulnerability of just, um, I, I guess, just submitting myself to the the elements and what was out there, and um, because I hadn't paddled for a while, you know, the um, the muscle pain was coming in. So with the physical pain came the emotional pain started to come into my head without any vices or anyone else to talk to who was next to me in the water and you know, a couple of miles out to sea and sort of looking around and no one else around me, you know, it was just, uh, I was all alone. But um, at the same time, I, I felt a little bit more empowered that I knew I was going to be all right. But uh, I just had these these little demons that started creeping up into me. And it definitely came at the right time in my life where I knew I was ready to start exploring it even more. And really start pushing this and um you know seeing uh seeing what it's all about so i can share this with other people that's awesome man so you're out there for 17 days all by yourself there's no phone in your thing for like a lifeline or anything like that you had nothing like that Nah, i mean i had a phone but there was no service where right. I was most of the time and you know i just had most things just tucked away in their little uh little pouches and that and just yeah just kept on paddling like uh you know first couple of days were sort of tough because i'd I get pitched over with some big waves and i'd lose all my supplies just couldn't work out how i was going to put it on because i hadn't really tested it and i think before i'd gone out there <laughs> and uh so yeah on the second night because i kept losing my supplies and i got hit off by like on the board by sharks and stalked and stuff so it sort of slowed me down so i ended up having to sleep on the beach and because I'd lost everything and slept on the beach, well, I'd had no food or water for about 24 hours and just had to get up in the morning and just start paddling to my next destination to refuel and stock up with supplies and start heading off again. So there was all those tests along the way. And, you know, it was uh, the first, I guess, five days were pretty grueling on me, you know, um, just emotionally as well, like with everything coming forward and no vices to um to distract myself or put up any walls of everything that was coming through to you and you know 17 days of 13 hours a day in the water by yourself you got a lot of time to think you know and there's not too much uh, response from the it's jellyfish you. and the dolphins <laughs> that are going by yeah. but uh you know just a lot of talking to yourself you know and trying to work it all out so you know i was going through everything from 
you know, what I'd, I'd done to people to what people had done to me with, you know, uh, all the just the um, trouble that I'd been through, the, the obstacles that I'd had to overcome in my life, the struggles and, you know, and after about day five, there was like a, just a big release, I guess, and I started to really appreciate all the struggles that I'd been through and, you know, the times alone that I'd lived on the streets from the age of six to nine and living in rock caves and living under skate ramps and stuff like that, um, just fending for myself, you know. they uh, Those moments really gave me the strength to be able to keep going and to know that I was going to be all right. But yeah. also, you know, by that time, Everyone else around the world was starting to uh, to message in and and sharing their their um, their feelings and their stories as well. So they were starting to live vicariously through my challenge. So it became something far more bigger than me just doing a paddle. You know, it was, right. uh, I felt like I was doing it for you know the one in five people who were affected by this around the world. So it's kind of uh, cool, not cool, but you know what I'm trying to say. Like um, when you were doing the paddle like all these people start supporting you that you didn't even know. Like when you start coming f- closer and closer and closer and closer, all these people are riding up to you. Right. And just like, Hey man, it's awesome. What are you doing, man? Like that must've been really cool. Like, you know, like a feeling that, that that probably pumped you up some more to go f- even further. Right. Like keep on going. Like it gave you energy to go further in your journey. Yeah, for sure. But, um, yeah, I, I mean, at the time, like, yeah, I was just thinking, you know, people saying I'm so inspired by it and what you're doing, you know, and, um, you know, at that time, I was thinking, you know, who am I to to inspire anyone? I'm just a guy on a paddleboard, just paddling down to Sydney. You know, it's uh, I was just in the moment too much of just paddling forward, and and I could see what people were were getting out of it. But you know, for myself, I I don't really look at things that way of of what I do to do it to inspire people. I know it does. And I don't look at myself as someone as hope for other people. I just kind of, I just do what I do, and you know, I, I try and keep my morals and my intentions and everything right. And um, I'm always just a giving person to other people anyway. So, I was trying to explain it the other day, like my events, there, um, I see them like songs, like uh, people, you know, interpret songs in their own way. And so, as long as it's positive, it might be different to what the artist first wrote it as. But as long as they take something positive from it well, then it's all good. So, I mean, that's how my event sort of started out, you know, just try and do something that was positive that I knew I was going to be proud of and just started resonating with other people in the world. And, you know, to be able to share that and to share these experiences with other people, I mean, um, that's I don't like social media, but that's that's one thing where social media is really handy, you know, to um, to connect with a lot of people around the world and, be able to do these things which are thought to be impossible but show people what is actually possible in life. So I really think you definitely helped a bunch of people on your journey from the start to the end, you know, like even though you don't haven't met them, they read about you and they may have gonna be going through some of the same things you went through and they're like, Man, this guy over overcome everything that happened to him as a child. I'll be strong enough or I will be strong enough eventually to l- beat it also, you know. So you definitely you definitely helped a lot of people, man, and that's freaking awesome. Would you agree? Yeah, it's like you're the Australian Forrest Gump. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was kind of like that for sure. Yeah, and um, <clears throat> so I got another question. Um, so the knife you packed was like literally four inches. <laughs> I mean, the knife was like this; it was four inches long. Yeah, and he that was his weapon to fend off sharks. Oh man! Now. What kind of shark is going to be scared of that? You're going to stick it once, it's going to bite your head off, man. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I know. I don't even know why I put it on there. It's just for show or something. Because yeah. whenever a shark had come, I'd pull out the GoPro and just think, well, do, do I try and go for it with the knife yeah. or do I try and film it for um for footage, you know? Or do I, dude, I, I was, it, I was hit it on like, the head with the GoPro or something. <laughs> but, man, you saw 21 sharks. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. intense. Well, 21 shark encounters. There was two yeah. of them that were packs. Like packs of sharks wow. around me, but wow! And then you had one shark that was literally fishing you, like it was coming for you. Yeah, you had yeah. to get off the. You had to get into the beach. Yeah, I had a couple, couple of them that that fully stalked me, and um, yeah, one big one that had been chomping its way, like because when I was paddling, it's the most shark infested summer that Australia had ever seen. So, 
you know, there was uh, those horror stories the whole way along of people getting attacked and eaten and, you know, dolphins just getting washed up with these big jaw marks out of them and uh, along the beach. And so, yeah, that one in particular, yeah, I got um, yeah, got stalked pretty hardcore. So I had to come <laughs> in and have a little bit of a rest. And But I liked that when I, when I came in because it was at a location uh, near Newcastle. And so... Obviously, the lifeguard had told the, the local press, and uh, by the time I got to the beach, like they were just lined up, ready to do the the interviews with me, and um, and some of them were like live radio crosses because it was such a big thing at that time, like with the sharks. So they would want me to talk about the sharks, but I'd just start talking about child abuse and the reason why right. I'm doing it. Yeah, I'm yeah. Like, this, this is I why know I'm what here. you want, but hey, this is why I'm doing it. So I'll get my message out here right now while it's live, you know. So, so I kind of use that to my advantage. But um, you know, as well, like I could really see that people were because um, I kept on going as well. That's when people started to get more inspired by what I was doing, and that I wasn't just you know a one hit wonder that I was just going to do some little event and, and that's it. And you know, use a, use a cause to be able to um, boost my profile or whatever it is. You know, it's this is what I lived and this is why I'm doing it. You know, and um, and to be able to keep going through all that adversity, it really started to take excuses out of other people's lives. You know, they're like, well, if he can fight off these sharks and still keep on going, why can't I just get off the lounge and walk around the block or whatever right. it is? You know, exactly. just to get started. You know, so. To get the uh, the wheels in motion for people to keep on moving forward, you know that's um, pretty much became my motto. I guess that people know me for that. You know, it's undoubtable that um, through all my events, I keep on moving forward. So when you finally got to, is it Bondi or Bondi? Bondi, yeah. Bondi. When yeah. you finally got there, what was going through your mind? Like, how were you like, okay, am I finally done? Or like, how did you celebrate? Or what emotions were you going through and stuff, man? Like that's a big freaking deal what you just accomplished. Yeah, I'm mean, just coming into it. Like the last uh, the last couple of miles going into it, so I had to cross the, the Sydney Harbour and I just got across the other side and it was sun, Sunday and all these boats are everywhere. So I'm sort of playing Frogger, just dodging these boats going across the Sydney Harbour out of the mouth. And then I got across to the other side and I see this boat coming in and all these mutton birds are like flying around behind it and I think, what's going on here and they've just been out in a fishing charter vessel so they're just gutting all the fish out the back and bellying up all the water so it's all like these little sharks <laughs> just following this boat and i'm going i can't be one of these guys just two miles before i'm about to finish and get eaten by a shark like, just, <laughs> yeah. look what i've just been through you know? <laughs> and then the next part was just uh just cliffs so i'm just getting these backwash coming at me so it's just it was super tough like it took me nearly two hours to go one mile Oh, wow. And um, just constantly going and going and going. And so once I hit the uh, hit the bay in, into Bondi, you know, it kind of sucked me around the corner. And, you know, I sat out the back and, uh, you know, it was, it was the most proudest moment of my life, not just for what I achieved on the paddle, but uh, for what I'd been through all of my life to be able to get to that point. And um, it was funny, I was sitting there on Sunday and, you know, I'm in Bondi in summer and Sunday, it's you know, there's 50,000 people on the beach enjoying themselves. And, you know, on, on this day I'm sitting there and there's people jumping off the rocks right near me. I'm thinking, you got no idea what what I've been through <laughs> to get here. Like you probably just got out of your air-conditioned car and yeah. walked across the road to the beach. <laughs> yeah. But at the same time, you know, I was grateful to be there with them at the same time and um, just sort of, you know, it doesn't matter how we both got here. You know, it's uh, we both wanted to be here at the same time today and uh, we've achieved that i just did a little bit different way but uh, some people paddled out and you know gave me a little bit of time and i ate my last little muesli bar and and uh, started paddling in but you know i'm uh, forever grateful for the paddle and completely saved and and changed my life and you know as you sort of pointed out that it's you know it's it's something that keeps on giving you know, not just for me, but for, for others around the world who keep watching the film. And, you know, I was lucky enough that uh, National Geographic picked the film up and played it to 41 countries. So 220 million people have watched the film and they will, uh, they will reach out to me and thank me and, and, and tell me their stories and speak out for the first time. So it's really given a voice to people all around the world, which, is, which has been fantastic, you know, for me. And, but it was, uh, it was more after the paddle, like, 
you know, you think I, I should be like, wow, I've done this, achieved this thing, but I kind of went really quiet, you know, and everyone's like there trying to celebrate and I was just super quiet and I was just trying to work out uh, what had actually happened to me along the way, you know, where these demons gone that had haunted me for, for 36 years sitting on my shoulders and, you know, uh, it wasn't until I got back up to the Gold Coast and sat there and just started looking at the world and, and the whole world around me had completely changed and the people in it had changed and, you know, it was uh, my first thing was like, where can I paddle to next? I've got to get out of here. But, uh, you know, in trying to adjust back, I knew something had happened to me that I really wanted to bottle and share with other people, but I knew I, uh, I needed to explore it so I understood it more right. so I could simplify it and to give to other people rather than just coming out and go, hey, you know, I've just cured PTSD. I've done what all professionals say that you can't do. You know, I really wanted to test it and, and push myself to the limits even more to make sure that it was solid because I'd had times where I'd been up and down, you know, good weeks, good months, and then down again. So so for the next sort of couple of years, I just really tested and pushed myself and just tried to focus on what had actually happened to me in the paddle and what I was doing intuitively out of survival to keep on going and then what was common in that to what I'd done throughout my life in uh, sporting and and social life to be able to keep uh, keep moving forward as well and again just dissect that all the way down to share with others it's amazing man y'all need to check out his documentary it's called the heart of the sea now you've done something else that's pretty amazing too i mean your life is amazing like you've done a lot of cool shit like you know this is cool um tell us about how you skateboarded 2500 miles yeah, so <laughs> so I did this. I did a channel, uh, challenge in uh, in Phuket, and I, I paddled around and got off and ran eighty five miles around it. So it was like three days and stop and that was kind of a warm up, I guess the, the <laughs> five mile run for uh, for what I was doing next, which was I thought I'd, I'd skateboard from Chicago to Santa Monica along Route sixty six. And no one else had ever done it before, and you know I'd always like muscle cars and everything like that, and and uh you know as i said always skateboard and um so i thought i'd, I'd pay respect to the bones brigade the uh, skaters i looked up to as a kid and i'd skate 1985 model skateboards across and but also that was about connecting with other people along the way and just give myself um that time that 56 days to really work out what's been going on and then starting to put those through the to the test as uh, as each challenge came to me uh, along on the skate as well so you know it was good and I was able to connect with amazing people like Cherokee Nation and Navajo kids and uh, veterans and just everyone really and just even having uh, talks with people in gas stations along the way you know they were just amazing talks and I'll just ask them what I was doing that's awesome um the marathon where you carried the mattress that weighed like 50 pounds or something like that. Uh, I might be wrong with the weight, but it was like more than 40 pounds, I think. What was that about? So that, that kind of came about. I was on the Gold Coast. It was, yeah, 30, 37 pound mattress it was. And, Same uh, difference, 50 pounds, yeah. 37, you know, I can't do it. Uh, yeah, my mate was running the Gold Coast Marathon and uh, he's like, oh, you should do it. I'm like, uh, what are you doing? He's like, I'm doing the half. And I'm like, why wouldn't you do the full? He's like, I've never done one. I said, oh, I'll do it. Or I'll just run the full one then. And it was about like 10 days out or something. And again, not a marathon runner. I never even ran a marathon before then. And uh, I just said to him, well, what's the most awkward thing that you carry in life on your sh you know, on your shoulders that's uh, besides life? And uh, we both come up with a mattress. Whenever you move in a house, the mattress is the most awkward thing to carry. It's true. It's the last thing you want to carry, you know? Yeah. So I thought, all right, well, that's what I'll do. I'll just carry a mattress um, with a message of never lay down, never give up. And uh, that's what I did. So I got this mattress the day before and full inner spring sealy mattress. And uh, away I went to the, to the marathon the next day and got about a quarter mile into it and I thought what an idiot you should just, <laughs> you should have just grabbed a foam mattress it's the same message it doesn't have to be like the most comfortable yeah you know, cushion top <laughs> mattress yeah. in the world you know I'm only running with it on my shoulder but uh but yeah I mean that was super tough on me 
it's like six hours 57 minutes but it was just uh super grueling like i didn't put it down once i kept on going and you know i'm pulling hammies and calves every step after about 10 miles you know and that uh, 37 pound just turned into about 237 pound by the end and it was just absolutely crushing me and i was just had it up on my shoulder and just rolling it over my head every 20 seconds and rolling it over and rolling it over the whole way really and just uh, just keep going through it and so yeah i mean that was super tough but again you know it left a powerful message with people because it was all over the gold coast and obviously no one had ever done that before and so i still get called the mattress man when i'm in the, in the gold coast doing an event <laughs> um, but yeah i mean it was just it was about the message and that's what all my challenges are about you know it's just how can i get that message out to a wider audience in a, in a different sort of unique way that's going to capture the attention of uh, of the media and everyone else just to simply to ask why would you do that and then i'm able to explain why yeah i mean because if you didn't have the mattress everyone be like oh damien Ryder ran the gold coast marathon the end yeah. oh damien Ryder ran the gold coast marathon carrying a 36 pound mattress and he's sharing a message and you just explained to us that message yeah um anthony you got so can you tell us a little about the abuse that started all this yeah so uh yeah i mean my life just sort of i guess it was all up and down like um i thought it was pretty normal to start off with and then um i had a violent grandmother she Mm -hmm. used to get drunk and my mum used to leave me at her place when she'd have to work night shifts and she got drunk and pushed me into the fire and smashed me against the walls and stuff like that and you know and going back and and filming heart of the sea and where things sort of all started from i guess that's where i started to use um my sporting to uh, as a vice against all that to to help me because just down the road from where she lived was a track and field track and i remember being young age just watching everyone running around there and i'd run next to them on the grass as they were running so i guess that kind of just started off everything for me in that sort of sense um after there we uh we we moved to adelaide and uh, my mom just working in factories and i never had a father or father figure at all and then one of her boyfriends just just his violent big guy and uh you know sometimes he'd be okay but it was just like a ticking time bomb really and but most times he'd come in drunk late at night you know you'd wake up to a smash of the window my mum would be screaming he'd hear her head getting smashed through the wall there'd be blood all over it you know i'd uh he'd come into my room he'd rip my pajamas off me and i'd be forced to watch my mother get raped all the time and you know it was kind of a sort of crazy house that was going on you know and uh try and call neighbors try and call police but no one really wanted to know about it at all yeah um you know so just feeling really alone and because my my mum was emotionally disconnected from everything that was going on because she went through child abuse as well so she didn't know how to deal with it so couldn't even talk to her about anything and she was too scared to really testify in court about this guy and so it just sort of she just allowed him to keep coming around and and it just kept on uh, kept on happening and that's why uh, there'd be nights I'd have to just run out of the house naked and just run down the beach and in the freezing cold in winter and just sit down there shivering until you know I could uh, get some clothes or go home or something like that so that kind of continued for good three years those sorts of things but um you know it really took its toll on me for uh not just physical uh, like abuse but the the emotional abuse as well and the trust also like uh, you know losing trust from my mother to protect me and mm. and trust for the law as well you know like i really started to um not uh not go by what laws are and what the police were saying to me and all that you know you know so i kind of just and i still kind of do just you know i just do things my way i guess you know they're kind of just a guideline (laughs) you know the laws are a guideline and so long as i like i said you know so long as i'm morally and morally sound and my intentions are right you know and i kind of just go along and just do my own thing you know it's just it's not like i don't have respect for them they got a super tough job and everything but they weren't there for me when I was a kid and, um, you know, it's, again, no disrespect to, to them at all. But it's just, um, you know, as I said, laws are just a bit of a guideline to me. What um, would you say to kids that were in your situation now that they're having that people do not believe what they're, what's going on? 
Well, I didn't really speak out about it for, for many people to believe. Yeah. You know, I guess you, I was trying to say in a roundabout way of what's going on. But as a kid, you kind of don't really know. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, is this normal? <laughs> you know, it's not. Right. But, but at the same time, like, oh, what, what do you do? And you don't want to feel like you're different to everyone else as yep. well who you're going to school with. Um, even though there's probably other kids in your class going through the same things. Mm-hmm. But uh, look, you know, it's just for for kids, you know, it's it's about reaching out and, and having the trust in someone, which is tough as well, you know, to, to trust someone, um, especially adults, but, you know, to have, have someone there that you can actually talk to about it on your behalf. I mean, here in the US, you've got this great organization called Bikers Against Child Abuse and, you know, I, I spent a bit of time with their chapter up in Buffalo and guys are absolutely amazing. You know, they've got a 97% um, success rate for convictions oh, wow. for oh, wow. kids that awesome. are in their, in their systems. And, you know, they've got this thing, whoever whoever uh, is their sponsored kid, um, two of them will st- And if they're feeling a bit down or if they're feeling scared, well, they'll post two people out front of the house until that kid walks out and says, I'm not scared anymore, you guys can go. and. Mm-hmm. You know, um, so yeah, they're doing absolutely amazing work, which is cool. And there was no one like that for for me when I was a kid. So, you know, I guess that's that's why I do all these things now for kids out there, but also not just the kids who are who are going through it now or who will potentially go through it, but also all the adults, you know, who went through it who are still struggling in life now and you know, they're they're thirty, forty, fifty years on and still still trying to deal with these things with their own sorts of way. I mean we know now that all addictions come from some sort of child abuse. Yeah, you know that's um, that's been triggered off to them. Yeah, I have a friend. She's um, she was sexually assaulted as a child, and then it you know happened again as an adult. And she was at the point where she's like, "Well, I kind of feel bad for the person. I don't want to tell on this person." And I'm like, "You got to tell on this person, you know, because it's like sometimes you got to take yourself out of it and be like, who else is this person going to do this to? Mm-hmm. You know, it's a chain reaction type thing.'" And like I said, it's, it's possibly going to be a learned behavior. Could have happened to that person, but the, you know they are an adult, so they should know better to not do that to a child, for sure, or to an adult. Yeah, you know, it's just, just a very unfortunate what people have to go through. Yeah, I mean, the numbers are they say one in five, you know, but it's, it's got to be far more than that. That's that's one in five who come forward. Yeah, you know, it's the same as suicide attempts as well. You know, the numbers are down on that from uh, from people who have been through similar circumstances as well. But uh, yeah, I mean, look, it's a tough one, you know, and um, you know, it's something that will never go away, unfortunately, and yeah. it, we'll never be able to stop it. That's, that's happening in the world, but what we can do is just do that prevention. And um, for me, it's about um, realizing that, you know, I'm just one man. I can't uh, can't stop that whole thing from happening, the whole issue. But what what I can do is just give hope to everyone else out there who's been through it. That um, that you can overcome the uh, the emotional attachment to it, yeah, and uh, live a healthy and happy life, and do uh, do extraordinary things. You know what yeah. I mean? Like here's me, six and nine, living on the streets, being sexually abused, and now broken twelve world records. I've got two films out on, on National Geographic. Uh, I've written a book that's been published and in bookstores here in the US, and you know I'm only just getting started. Yeah, can you tell us about your breathing method? Yeah, sure. So it's uh, it's called One Breath Meditation. And yeah, lucky enough to have a publishing company out in New York pick that up and uh, Austin McCauley, so that was cool. And uh, basically it's about dissecting everything that I've been through in all my life and all the learnings as well from therapists and gurus and, and uh, through my sports and what I do in, in, um, throughout it to be able to keep moving forward and uh, just – taking little bits and pieces out and putting it together of um, parts that work. So it's just uses different elements like uh, vibrations from mantra ohms, uses traditional meditation, um, uses your senses. So it uh, puts you in a comfortable position that heights them up a little bit, then brings you back to your breath. And so really it's just about disconnecting from what's in front of you and connecting back with yourself and connecting back with your breath because that's, uh, that's all meditation is. So I just saw that. The traditional sense of meditation, the commercialized sense, is uh, it's not meant to be complicated, but um, I think 
the self-proclaimed gurus make it complicated so you keep going to their classes or something but something like that you know like yeah. tell people that they've got to sit in silence and that's what you got to do but sit in silence you're just the old monkey mind just starts racing around plus uh i would see people who are doing that traditional form of meditation i'm not taking away from it at all you know whatever works for everyone else but um they were just using it as a vice to be able to go to the next day to grab their mat to sit there for their 25 minutes to get started again without being explained what it actually is that you're trying to do and it's not trying to be totally blank-minded it's like i said you're just trying to disconnect from the monkey mind or whatever's going on in front of you and connect back with yourself for that moment just to uh, to give back to yourself and to take that uh take that little minute out just to uh, reassess everything and uh, get yourself in like a nice calm focus again so going through all my activities and and i fought for a long time as well so you know i'd always stand up in between rounds and i just uh, i did it as a little bit intimidation for the other guy but also for myself to be able to calm myself down in in between rounds and uh just compose myself so i was ready to go like so every round was like 100 percent, 100 percent when i was stepping out there and um i've just sort of followed that through with all of my sports that i do to be able to keep moving forward at that point and uh, not just gas out and start huffing and puffing and i mean when you're getting into that sort of fight or flight mode and your shallow breathing in your chest is the same as you're going through an anxiety attack or if you're in an argument with someone it's the same sort of feeling so it's the same way that you need to give back to yourself with your breath calm yourself and be able to keep moving forward without any lag time yeah i always notice like um you mentioned fighting like uh mma so uh, like greg jackson he trains like john jones he's always telling them to breathe breathe calm down like in between rounds because you know they're going so hard for those five minutes or whatever and it's like you know you got to get your center you know and like what you said that that's that's beautiful man yeah you always got to bring back to that i would hate to have to be the guy fighting this guy when he's just fully focused breathing like and the other guy's just huffing and puffing and this guy's coming at you 100 again round four or whatever it is that does not sound like a good time i'll pass on that Neither does uh, swimming with sharks, but paddling with sharks, sorry. So you're an actor. Ah, uh, not really. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that was one of my little things. <laughs> you know, I, like I, I, loved, uh, I loved being an actor and uh, like I studied for a couple of years of it and, uh, you know, you really get to learn a little bit about yourself. But also at that time as well, how I was in my head at the time, you know, it was good to be able to step out of my own mind and into someone else's. Right. You know, and uh, really take on that uh, that character role, which which I loved as well, and really exploring the the psychology uh, behind it all, and you know, giving that story, that uh, person, the backstory, and and putting everything into it. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's something I'll probably go back to later on because I do enjoy it. But it's uh, you know, people go through life and they say, oh, you know, I. I used to fly planes, but I don't now. I used to be a chef, but I'm not now. And, you know, it doesn't matter now. But, you know, I kind of figured that everything you do in life matters, no matter what it is, and that's your tools to be able to move forward. And, you know, for me, even though I'm not an actor and it's been a while since I've been doing that, I still use all those skills, whether it's talking now on this podcast or, you know, making my own films or, you know, making even just uh, just training clips, you know. It's, um, it's all those skills that you know, put me to where I am now. And I think people need to realize that everything they've done in their life matters, you know, and there's skills and tools that they can dissect out of it to um, to enhance their life, you know, to, to be whoever they want to be, whenever they want to be, and they can change at any time. You know, you can just wake up the next day and just go, right, this is who I'm going to be. And so long as you're committed to doing that, that's who you'll be. And everyone else around you will just change and go, that's who that person is. I got you. Have you always been a mentally tough person? I think I had. I was just born into it. Yeah, I had to be. Yeah, you know, uh, through through what I went through, or else I wouldn't be here. Yeah, you know, I find myself, um, I guess, lucky. I guess to be have have that mental strength mm-hmm. where uh, where other people haven't been able to have that. You know, it's uh, you know, I'm pretty strong with everyone and all the messages that come through to me. And some days I get 200 messages. Like if my film goes out, I'll get 200 messages. First day it was they got put out. I get 10 over 10,000 messages. Oh wow! People crying out for the first time. And um, I used to. They've slowed up now, but 
I used to get um, a lot of like self-mutilation videos of people screaming out, Damien, you got to help me and stabbing themselves or burning wow. themselves and yeah, some crazy warp stuff, you know, but um, you know, I'm not a psychologist or anything to try and take all these things on, but at the same time, like I knew going into all this that uh, these sorts of things would come forward. I knew what was going on in my head at the, that time as well, you know, so I knew there's other people out there who were going to be thinking those same sorts of um, thoughts and then putting them into action as well so but because I don't have an emotional attachment to what happened to me as a child then you know I keep myself pretty distant from from the emotions from uh, from what get told to me and showed to me as well yeah but um and there's sometimes that you know it builds up and you know it gets to me especially when I'm on an event and um, you know these messages start coming through and I'm already like just nearly broken just going for 13 hours non-stop or something and then you start getting like an influx of all these messages coming through on videos and stuff and you know it's um gets a a little bit emotional for me sometimes but i'm able to turn myself around really quickly and you know give them the right advice and and not come down to where their emotional level is Mm -hmm. and just be able to uh to pick themselves up pick them up and to uh to get them to keep on moving forward and you know, and again, you know, with people living vicariously through my challenges and that's just, that's not my physical ones, it's like my life ones as well, you know. People keep seeing me doing so much, like I, don't, I can't even read that well and I've got a book out, you know. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, and people know that or I've got another film out or I'm yeah. traveling the world here and then I'm, you know, or I'm surfing like in El Salvador or I'm, you know, doing whatever, like I'm living the life I want to live. Yeah. You know what I mean? Completely. And, um, you know, it shows people that they can actually do that. You know, you don't have to live by what's supposed to be normal. You know, it's, um, you know, I, I just live exactly how I want to live and I, I am where I want to be and, and I, I'm who I am. And who I am is someone who I'm proud of. Like I stand here now as a, as a proud man and, 10 years ago, I wouldn't have been able to say that to you. Yeah. I know they always say, like, um, if you see somebody that's from where you're from and they're doing something, that means you can do it too. So it's like you're inspiring people all over the world. You know, like they may not be in your exact town or country or what have you, but you're a human being. Yeah. You know, it's like you're given these abilities and you're just running with it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, uh, as you know yourself, you, you know, there's different people in the world known like you said they might not come from exactly the same background as you but you know things they do or where they come from resonates with you to go hey you know shit i can do that too you know or it gives you that little bit of inspiration or whatever it is you know and i mean you guys are in the fight world and you know uh you see guys getting in there and you're like yeah that's that's cool. Maybe I should yeah. get down on the bag again, you know? <laughs> no. He can. I'm good. I'm going to be on this side. I'm going to be drinking beer. Hey, go, 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 go. So your mantra is kind of uh, – I think I saw this um, in your documentary. It's uh, no limits on life. Yeah, of yeah. course. Yeah, it's, there's no limits, but it's it's – Really, I don't think anyone should have any limits on their life and I don't think anyone else should put any limits on anyone else's life and I don't think anyone should take any hope away from, from anyone's life as well. I don't think anyone has a right to do that. But they seem to do it a lot. You know, when they, we've all got naysayers who go, you can't do that or whatever, you know. Well, that's impossible. I always hear that one, which uh, which I love that one actually because I go, oh, what's impossible? Yeah, <laughs> right, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go, give me five months. I'm going to prove you wrong. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, you know, it's... <clears throat> It's always never lay down, never give up, and, and keep moving forward, you know. And um, that's uh, the, the simple mantra of, of what I promote is just keep moving forward. And I'll show people that uh, that you can do it and you can, can keep rising above and, and you can keep moving forward through, um, through pretty much anything, you know. You just need little skills and tools and just simplify things like we get. Our life, you know, it's complex, but it's not complicated. You know, we, we breathe, we move forward. Time keeps ticking on. We keep going. That's as simple as life is, basically, you know. As long as we're breathing, we're all right. And as long as we're, we're connected with ourselves and we know we're, we're here, then um, everything else just uh, stems from that, basically. Gotcha. I think the problem is it's the crabs in the bucket mentality. It's that people think that they can't do it, so they don't want you to do it. Yeah, of course. You know, it's like people start working out, and they, they're not working out. So they're like, uh, I want you down here with me. Yeah. You know? 
So it's, it's always everybody wants to keep you at their level instead of cheering somebody on. Yeah, yeah. And that's what we need more of, more people just, you know, to be positive and give people some encouragement to do something instead of just saying, oh, I can't do it, so you don't need to do it either. Yeah, and a lot of people get stuck in that as well. Oh, no, oh, they've said I can't do it. And you're like, yeah, but have they tried? Yeah, <laughs> like, just get out there and do it, you know? Yeah. Like People say to me, oh, that's impossible. You can't, you can't skate across the Mojave Desert. It's impossible. I'm like, how do you know? Oh, because no one's ever done it before. I'm like, yeah, but how do you know? Like, have you tried it? Yeah. Like, no. Like, how do you know? Like, I'll just do it. And if I don't succeed, well, I'll learn how to do it again yeah. and do it further this time, you know? So it's, um, yeah, like I never go into anything thinking I'm going to try and do anything. I just go into it and say, I'm just going to do it. And that's it. I'll just do what it. What are your three words again? Is it uh, impossible, uh, try, and what's the other one that you don't Fail. agree with? Fail. That's it. Yeah. So I, I remove those. Those words, and I, I encourage all the listeners to remove fail, try, and impossible out of vocabulary because as soon as you put those things in, you know, as soon as, oh, if you think that I'm not going to do this because I could fail or start thinking about, you know, failing at something and then there's a wall up and if you try, okay, I'm like, well, I'll try and run 5K. Well, you're already giving up to start off with and then obviously nothing's impossible. But if you change those words to uh, instead of fail to learn so the worst possible outcome in any situation is you're going to learn from it mm. well then that's not a bad thing and then instead of trying to do something you're just going to do it yeah see what happens and then nothing's impossible because everything's possible true can you tell us about your charity paddle against child abuse yeah so uh packers just uh it's an events charity it's not really like a, a money-based charity so i all my events, I uh, I never raise money for. Uh, you know, it's a little bit do things a little bit different than most people out there. And it's funny how society is because every time I finish an event, even though I promote that I'm not doing it for money, the first question is how much money did you raise? Yeah. You know, and the reason why I don't do it for money is because people get stuck on that. You know, of how much money did you raise? You know, and if I say, well, I raised a thousand dollars. People go, oh, well, you did your best. And you're like, well, I didn't paddle for seventeen days. Like, yeah, it was a little bit know, more yeah. than my best, you know. Like, yeah. but also uh, because of that, you know, they lose sight of the actual message, you know. And then that's why I do everything for is just the message, just get it out there, and you know, instead of people saying like, how much money did you raise? You know, they should be asking uh, how many people did you save because that's why I do everything for. That's. It's amazing. It's and it's like when people, uh, like celebrities give money and they're like, oh, you only gave a million dollars. Like, what did you give? Nothing. Oh, he's worth <laughs> 10 million. You only yeah. gave 5 million. You know, like, it's what? Like, yeah, it's like, I hate that when I see that on like social media and stuff like that. I can't stand that. Yeah. What is the Ryder Foundation? Uh, so the Ryder Foundation, I uh, first started that um, back uh, about five or six years ago now. And uh, that was because Packer was based around like sports. Um, water sports events that I was doing events for and um, because it sort of spread a little bit wider than than just child abuse and also just out of um, the paddle sport community so I started the Ryder Foundation and also had a had a retreat hotel on the beachfront on the Gold Coast in Australia and so I was going to run these programs through there and um, just help different people so I was going to be funded through that foundation but because um because I, I worked out while I was uh, doing the hotel because I was just busting my ass like 18, 21 hour days, just just killing myself trying to open this place that was for helping other people for their wellness and their health. My health and wellness was sort of deteriorating a little <laughs> bit as well. So I kind of got to this point and went, you know what, this is a great idea and it's an awesome location. It's fantastic and all that. And but I'm helping more people and I just travel the world and do my events and do um, speaking engagements around the world and, and help people more hands-on, one-on-one, you know, instead of having a place where, you know, I'm deteriorating, trying to help people as well, you know. So that's what I did. So I just sold up everything in Australia and just took off and, and this is where I am now. It's taken me to, to Memphis. I've never, oh, never, oh, oh, oh. never been here before. I know, right? Well, I've been everywhere though. Like I've <laughs> done the, I never do tourist things and I've been like the full tourist. I've been to Graceland. And, yeah, I saw that. <laughs> and I've seen like all the statues around town and all that sort of stuff. So it's, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's cool. Like, you know, it's a, it's a very spread out city 
and uh, it's different than any other, any other really like city I've been to where you got to go along the interstate to go to each sort of section of it. Oh, you know, yeah. It's so spread out and there's no high rises or anything like that. But there's um, there's so much history here, you know, went to uh, where Martin Luther King was shot oh, yeah. and stuff, you know, and, um, you know, the, the feeling there, you know, it's just... I mean, there's a lot of a uh, lot of character and a lot of soul that's uh, that's in this city as well. And um, you know, in coming here now, like I've got uh, just a lot of respect for the people who are from here and and um, you know the history of the place. Also, it's yeah. cool. So I saw that you did something uh, Samaritan feet. Yeah, can you tell us about that? Yeah. So uh, beginning of last year, I thought I'd do something a little bit different. I rode a motorcycle from North Carolina and up to New York and. Uh, cross up Michigan and then back down Route 66 to Santa Monica again. And um, I just this one was a little bit different. Like uh, instead of just telling my story, I really wanted to get a feel for other people and other people's stories and um, their location where their different situations had um, had happened to them and what made people to be able to keep moving forward and uh, not give up. And you know, so I went to youth detention centers and yeah, I went to. Uh, to Philly and wash homeless people's feet and gave them shoes. I was with Samaritan's feet. And, uh, you know, for me, with my motto of um, keep moving forward, I mean, if you've got a good pair of shoes on your feet, you can, it's, it's a good way to start yeah. moving forward, you know. And, and I really love that. Um, you know, we had 200 people come through and just talking to them and, you know, they've been down and out and they've got back up and down and out and back up and down and out and back up. And, you know, Philly's a pretty tough town and, you know, but they're all coming in with big smiles and, you know, they're all Philly proud and, you know, uh, just sharing why, they, why they're able to keep on going. And, you know, and for me, in between rides of the cities, you know, I just start dissecting what uh, what people were saying to me who I'd never met in my life before and what I'd done intuitively throughout my life and just really find those common tools of, you know, how people are able to keep on moving forward when, um, when other people aren't. Yeah, I remember uh, you said something about some kid came in, his feet were too small for the shoes, and then there was another kid that had the shoes, like the toes of the shoes cut off, and it's like they were so appreciative when you gave them simple things like shoes that we take for granted, you know, so most people like maybe have a couple pair of shoes, but there's some kids that just have one, and it's not even the one that's fit for them, so it's just, uh, that was beautiful that you did that for somebody. Yeah, so... Yeah, one of the cases, um, yeah, when I was doing the skate across uh, across America, I got down to um, a place called Gallup in New Mexico and uh, there was Navajo kids there and they skated with me and they were, they were about to skate out of town with me and uh, one pulls up and he's got one black shoe and one red shoe and one red shoe was uh, the whole side was cut out of it and his toes were hanging out and I'm like, what's going on with his shoes, man? And he's like, well, they didn't fit so I had to cut the seam so I could mush foot could fit in it I'm like, yeah. well, that's obviously yeah, not fitting you know and my yeah. heart's like just breaking going oh geez so i went just i said what size shoe are you man he's like i don't know and i'm like shit so i get my foot next to him and he's like i'm like all right you look about the same size as me so went out to the to the rv and grabbed him a new pair of vans and just gave them to him and it's like tags on him and everything and he's just ripped the tags off and put these like he's just run off and i've sort of run off just going oh shit i can't deal with this you know <laughs> and uh, he's come back and he's you know he's got this new pair of vans on he's just like so happy like the smile on his face you know and uh, he's telling his and i said oh yeah by the way you're a size 11 and a half and he's telling his mates i'm 11 and a half i'm 11 <laughs> like the, it's like the first time in his life he'd found out what size shoe he is yeah you know and those just those simple things like to be able to change people's lives like people say oh oh you know if i had all this money you know i would help so many more people but you don't need to you know like i'm not a billionaire or anything you know it's just it's the little things like that of giving someone shoes or uh, just give them what you, what you can along the way, you know, without expecting every, anything in return. You know, there's people are so appreciative out there of of those things, you know, and it's just those. I mean, those kids, they, you know, I've really got a spot for them as well because we went to this cafe when I was skating across, and I said, right, and I did this little talk, and I allowed them to talk as well, and I said, you know. I don't know what I can actually do, but what I want to do right while I'm here is just go around the room and you just tell me what your your goals are in life and I'll do everything I can right now to get you on the path to make that happen. And I uh, went around and 
one kid, he wanted to make skate vids, so I got my camera guide who made surf vids as well, and I said, just sit down with this guy and tell him everything you need to do. And another guy wanted to make T-shirts, and I'd been in apparel business before, so I uh, so I sat down with him and explained to him the best way to do it. And then there was this young couple, and uh, they're like, we want to open a skate shop, and we want to start a, uh, build a skate park. And I'm like, right, retail's tough, especially in this little <laughs> town, you know, yeah. like he's got – He's got money to, to buy skate stuff in here, you know, and uh, and I said, and how much is this skate park? And, oh, yeah, we'll price it out at $600,000. And I'm like, <laughs> well, fuck out. I said, all right, eh? So I'm sitting there, I'm going, oh, geez, all right, oh, hang on. So I went out to the RV again and grabbed all these stickers, wheels, bearings, um, decks, everything that I had, just spare. And I said, right, here's a start. Start an online business, start it through your Facebook page. When you sell everything from here, then keep all the money and then just buy more stock. And here's some uh, some pl- suppliers, numbers and everything. Just say that, you know, you know me. And and uh, the mayor was actually there at the time. He was a pretty cool dude. And I said, right, mayor, they want a skate park. How much are you going to put in? And he goes, oh, I think we could give them 50000 I said, mate, they need a hundred. let Let's start with $100,000. And I'm sure the council have got some spare area, spare car park or something they can donate to it. And he's like, oh, I think we – I said, we'll, we'll do this. And uh, then anyway, when I went through on the motorbike, I caught up with him again. So that was nearly three and a half, three years later, two and a half years later, and uh, I walked into their skate shop, which oh. was out front of their $600,000 skate park. Nice. That's awesome. So these are just young kids, you know, and they're, you know, living out – in the reservation and uh you know broken homes and all that sort of stuff as well so you know these kids they could have spent that money on on so many other things along the way but they they hung on to that money and um yeah they built it and they've they've really changed the whole community of gallup and all the cafes are thriving from it because people from out of town are coming to skate this skate park and so yeah they've really changed the town you know these kids who were just little rat bag kids getting around on skateboards that no one really liked in the town to now um sort of heroes in town that's awesome man i saw that you did uh you're doing free diving yeah yeah so i started yeah a new sport of free diving i started when i was in uh in tulum in mexico and i'll tell you what that i'm pretty good like, with breath work but <laughs> fuck me that fr- <laughs> freaked me out i tell you <laughs> like holding your breath you know like that's you that's how you live you, yeah you breathe and now now i'm doing a sport where you, you don't breathe <laughs> so it's just that, I remember those first couple of dives, I was like, and I really wanted to do it and I thought I was going to do well. And, you know, you think you're down there for like six minutes and it's like 15 seconds or something. <laughs> you know, like, that was that. You know, yeah, man, it's 15 seconds. Like, fuck. Um, yeah. But I love the challenge of it, you know, just uh, going down deeper and deeper and just uh, pushing myself out of that comfort zone more and more and more. And, you know, then uh, just getting rewarded in the end, you know, being able to sit down there for a couple of minutes and just really look around and, explore the underwater zone and you know the lights and everything that were coming through is you know it's pretty amazing and it's really quiet and still under there and you know to be able to push yourself more through that you know through that process is um yeah it's something that definitely steps you out of your comfort zone and uh it's something i'll continue doing for sure yeah something i like what you said it was uh, you came up on your own terms on the one of the last times you went down yeah. because before it was like you know oh, i gotta go back up i gotta go back up and then the, the last time it was just like i'm ready to go back up yeah I'm ready to go yeah back it was up. when i was ready you know and um you know the first the first couple of dives you, you think how the hell can i get to that you yeah. know maybe this isn't for me you know and uh but just to go through the motions and go through the techniques and you know i'm laying laying on my floor of my apartment there and with my nose clip on and my timer <gasps> <laughs> holding, my, holding my breath till I'm just convulsing and, yeah. and then just like one time I like slowly passed out and you know it's just like oh you wake up oh shit how long was I out for or I'd walk along the beach at Tulum with my nose clip on and try and go for like a minute and a half or two minute walks so like with just holding my breath and you know you'd be all right and I'd start breathing again and be like busy everyone's out in the like Sunday beach parties and here's me with a nose clip on walking along the beach and then the old legs would start shaking and <laughs> no oxygen to them. I'd be on all fours and all like that people were like, What's wrong with that guy? You're like, oh, all right, I'm back up, nose clip back on, all right, here we go again. Yeah. <laughs> back down on all fours again later. <laughs> Did you travel a lot before your paddleboarding? 
Yeah, like I've always traveled uh, the world, but uh, just more so now. Like uh, I've always traveled with purpose as well. So wherever I went to, it was like good snow. You go snowboarding or surfing or whatever it is. But um, yeah, everything I do now is more so purposed and more purposeful as well. But uh, yeah, I mean, I love it. People ask me like, what's a what's your favorite place you've been to? My reply is always a place I've never been. <laughs> you know, I just want to yeah. want to experience everywhere. You know, I don't want material things. I just want experiences in life. You know, and to be able to share that with other people, I think that's uh, that's what gives us the power as human beings to be able to keep on moving forward ourselves. Yeah, I think a lot of people. It's unfortunate they don't even leave their block, <laughs> city man. It's like it's there's so much out there. Not even out of the country, even in the United States, there's a lot to see. Yeah. But yeah. There's just some people that, you know, that just never been on a plane, you know, it's something I take for granted that people have never done. Yeah. I mean, it, yeah, it, it, it's all over the world. Like people are like that. But uh, I really noticed it when I was skating across uh, Route 66. I remember like these couple of old guys in these towns. I don't know what they were. They're just little bumfuck towns. And I'd be like, oh, they'd be like, you're doing something i'm in white compression gear with a hydration bag obviously i'm doing something i'm like they're like why need it where are you going i'm like oh i'm skating route 66 and they'd look up and down the road and i could see them just getting puzzled and they're like where are you from like from australia i'm like how do you know about this road i'm like well (laughs) there's all films and uh, music songs everything about this uh, road it's one of the most famous roads in the world yeah They'd be like, this road is. Like they, yeah, <laughs> like it seemed like they would think that it goes, stops at the end of each of the streets, you know, down yeah. there as far as the eye could see into there. And that's, yeah. that's it, you know. I'd be like, yeah, it goes from like Chicago to Santa Monica, like the whole, this road goes that far. <laughs> like, yeah. And I just give them a big hug and I go, this is why I do these things. Meet yeah. people like, yeah, this is, yeah, this is awesome. Like, yeah, it goes the whole way. And it's just, yeah. So it's, um, yeah, it's quite funny, you know, yeah. people who don't, uh, don't step out and you know it's each each of their own like if they're happy where they are they're they're you know they found their happiness or whatever yeah. it is you know but for me it's just as i said it's about experiencing as much as i can in the world and that's cultures and that's everything you know just to keep on enhancing myself also you know find out who i am along the way and you think you've got it sort of sorted out and then you go into somewhere else and you dealt with you know another little obstacle that you got to deal with and you know, you find out a little bit more strength about yourself and a little bit more um, of, of who you are, you know. It's, it's, um, yeah, I love traveling. Yeah, I went to Spain last year and, you know, it's it's weird being the, the foreigner in another country because, like, I went there and I don't speak any Spanish. So I went to Madrid and I'm, like, trying to, like, point at stuff, feeling like a dummy, you know. like. And then the thing I did find beautiful in traveling, though, it's, like, you see people that look like people that are here. But then you hear them and they don't talk like us, but then you, they laugh and the laughter is the same. Yeah. You know, laughter is like kind of universal. Yeah. Yeah. La- th- laughter and, uh, and songs as well. Like yeah. when people sing, if they're not singing Spanish, like if they're singing in English words, it all, it's all the same as well. Really, yeah. I think. yeah. True. But yeah, I, I get pretty good at playing charades. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> or when I travel so much as well, like I forget which country because I try and learn as much as I can in whatever country I am. So I'll travel to another destination and I'll just I'll start talking Indonesian when I'm in you know Mexico or something like that. I'm just like, like where am I? Or I'll do a talk over in the US and I'll have to look in the audience and go, all right, where am I? Okay, in which town? And start start uh, talking that way. That's awesome, man. Do you have anything else from Raul? I just got a couple of facts about him. Right. Um, 2015 Man of the Year by Men's Health Australia. It's pretty awesome. Ryan Gosling, who? Joe <laughs> Magdalena, who? <laughs> uh, nominated for Australian of the Year. Yeah. That's pretty pretty good shit, man. Yeah. Haven't won it yet, but I can't. Yeah. <laughs> you, you're going to win it eventually. I promise you will. And um, you were a baton bearer in the 2015 Commonwealth Games? Battenberry, yeah. Battenberry, Battenberry. Yeah. I think a baton's the dudes out the front of the, that twiddle those things around in front of the marching oh, bands, yeah. aren't they? <laughs> Sorry, my bad. You know, yeah, I, was, I wasn't twiddling any little sticks, but yeah. Nah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, for the Commonwealth Games, you know, and I was super honored to be to be asked to do that because I was um, one of the main features in the opening ceremony of the Commonwealth Games for that, you know, televised uh, 1.4 billion people across the globe. And, you know, to, and I just thought they'd just show a little clip of me, but. You know, it was like a whole minute and a half of the whole thing about me and running with it. And they talked about my story and my challenges that I'd been through, the physical ones as well. And, you know, it's just, uh, yes, 
I don't do anything for accolades or for praise from other people. But, you know, when you get something like that or if you get nominated for Australian of the Year, which I've been nominated twice now and, you know, it's um, – and most and both of those times I've been out of the country when I've been nominated. So to know that I'm doing things outside of the country but it's still resonating with people back there in such a strong way, That's awesome. you know, it's uh, – yeah, it's pretty powerful for me to be able to keep on moving forward knowing I must be doing something right. Well, I mean, that's all I have. I mean, what is your um your goals for this year, twenty twenty? Uh so I'm going to do this like twenty four hour challenge. It's kind of just a warm up, just to get me into uh, training again and get me more accountable and measurable with what I'm doing. But uh, I've set myself eleven different discipline challenges over the next twenty four months, and uh, they're more extreme, less endurance, but it's just more extreme. So. There'll be things that maybe one person in the world's done before, maybe one and a half, and the half being that because he didn't succeed, he <laughs> fell off, mm. he fell off something, you know? Yeah. So, uh, they're all testing and challenging and, you know, again, you know, it's not, uh, you know, they're very high risk, I guess, but I don't look at them that way. It's just, I just focus on how do I get through it and what, how do I need to train my body and my mind to be able to do each one of these challenges that most people look at as the impossible or most professional athletes in that discipline might train all their life to be able to do one of them and um, and I'm going to do 11 of them. So uh, the one that sort of, you know, uh, is going to be very testing on me, that's uh, it's in, in about 24 months' time now, but I've started training. So it's quite interesting, my, uh, my thought pattern when I train now because I train – knowing I've got these 11 different disciplines coming up and how each of them tie in with each other. Um, you know, it's like breath holds and stuff. Why well, I've been doing the free diving because three of them are water-based. So they kind of tie in and there's like jumping out of stuff or off things, you know, so they kind of tie in together or big wave surfing or whatever it is, you know. And um, I mean, I might even jump in the octagon sometime and just, uh, just to do that because that's, and even though I've done it before, but to, at my age as well, I like to be able to get back in there in a different sort of frame of mind after I've done the paddle and everything and, and more calm, focused. I'd like to see and explore how that is, you know, because all of them are testing and um, that's a test of, you know, man on man, like power together, you know, and it's, um, it's like, as you know, it's like a chess game and just to be able to keep calm while you're getting punched in the face at yeah. the same time, you know. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, there's that old saying, everyone's got a plan to get punched in the face. <laughs> and it's true, you know, but to be able to keep that calm composure with what I know now and who I am now as well, you know, so it's definitely something I'd like to explore. Okay. What would you, uh, your advice for people be? Just uh, just never give up and um, be proud of who you are and all your achievements that you've done in life and just keep on moving forward and know that anything's possible and you can change at any time and just got to accept what's happened to you and it's never going to change and doesn't matter how many uh how many questions you have it's not going to change anything as well you don't need the answers you just need to find the answer in yourself to be able to keep moving and where can people find you and check me out on uh, social media on instagram just my name damien Ryder, or facebook damien Ryder, or website damienrider.com um yeah come chat follow me talk about anything and everything and I reply to everyone who uh, I give everyone the respect who messages out to me and uh, talks about all sorts of stuff. I get all sorts of messages come through and some are funny, some are a bit hectic, but, uh, you know, I answer every one of them. That's beautiful, man. Man, that's awesome. I appreciate you doing this. Thank you for taking the time, Thanks, man. Isaac. Thank you. Hey. Legends. Yeah. And, um, yeah, just uh, look them up and, yeah, listen to that message. It's beautiful. And uh, we love you lots. Bye. Thanks, guys. You.